Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God. Good morning. Welcome to everybody watching online as well. Glad that you are with us today. And uh, we're going to be finishing up our sermon series on the seven last sayings of Christ. We're actually going to be looking at the very last words, the eight last words that Jesus spoke on the cross today. So uh, it's just uh, one sentence. It's Luke chapter 23, verse 46. Luke 23, 46. And it says this, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said this, he breathed his last. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for your word. As we look into it now, open our hearts and our minds. Help us to see the truths that are there and then to follow it. In Jesus' name, amen. We know the last words that people say before they die can be very powerful and it tells a lot about them. But I found that there were a few people that uh, not just thinking about their last words, actually on their tombstones said something about them and their personalities. And I wanted to show you some of these tombstones now of some of them from fairly famous people. One is Merv Griffin. Uh, Merv Griffin said, I will not be right back after this message. And uh, so that says something a little bit about uh, Merv and, uh, and his, his disposition. Uh, Mel Blank, who did all of the Warner Brothers characters like Porky Pig and Daffy Duck, he said, that's all, folks. And, uh, you know, probably his most famous line of all. I think this is probably posthumous instead of something the guy actually said. But in Tombstone, Arizona, there is this one. Here lies Lester Moore, four slugs from a 44, no less, no more. And uh, so, there. and then finally, my favorite, Sue Rangel, who said, I told you I was sick. <laughs> I say that to my wife all the time, and she says, Yeah, and I'm getting tired of hearing it. You know, and uh, so you can put both of those on our tombstone there. That's my favorite, though. I told you I was sick. So it says something about the person and uh, how they viewed uh, life and their personality. Well, the very last saying of Jesus on the cross, those last words are going to tell us a lot about him, who he was, and, uh, and what he was thinking as he breathed his very last. So let's look over to uh, Luke chapter 23, verse 46. And the first thing we see is this. Jesus' last words on the cross showed he had a close relationship with God. It showed his relationship to God was a very personal, very close relationship. And you can tell that from the very start with the very first word. Because what's the very first word in the very last sentence that Jesus would say before he died? And it's the word Father. So he's addressing God as his Father. Very personal, very intimate description. This is the Greek word pater. Uh, it was often used for your male parent uh, that was there. And so Jesus is addressing God with his last breath, showing that he is in a relationship with God. This is my parent. This is my Father. And it shows the kind of relationship that Jesus and God had. And that's an important lesson for us today. Because what God wants from us more than anything else is for us to be in a relationship with him. Now, sometimes we mix it up and we take good things that God wants and we make it the most important thing. But the most important thing God wants is to know you and to be in a relationship with you. We think the most important thing God wants is for us to be good little boys and girls. 
So we think it's about living a good moral life or something. That's what God wants from us. And so our faith becomes all about sin management. Uh, and so we go from highs and lows. We mess up and we feel guilty. Uh, we do good and we feel superior. And our life's a constant up and down. And we think that more than anything else, what God wants is for us to be good little boys and girls. And it's all about fighting our sins and sin management. Some of us, though, we think, well, what God really wants from us more than anything else is God wants us to believe all the right things. And so we try really hard to get the right theology and, and all of that. And again, nothing wrong with any of that. We need, to, we need to be doing that, but that's not the most important thing. As a matter of fact, right before Paul died, Paul probably knowing a little bit more about God than we did, he said, uh, the best I can do is look through a glass darkly. So, you know, we're never going to get that, that knowledge we're pursuing uh, when we do that. And then some of us think what God wants from us is some big accomplishment. We're supposed to be doing something great for the kingdom of God that changes the whole world and, and God's going to use me for some great uh, thing. And so we, we think that that's what God wants from us more than anything else. But what God wants from you first and foremost is to be in a relationship with him. Think about it like your own child if you have children. What do you want most for your own children when you think about it? What do you want for your children? Do you want for your children, well, I want to know that they're a good person, that they're living the right kind of life. That's something we would all want from our children. Uh, do we want from our children, well, I want them to believe all the right things. Do we want for our children, I want them to have a big house and uh, a lot of money. Uh, that may be things we want for our children, but is it the most important thing? Here's some things people have said to me before when it comes to their children. They're a really good person, but they never come home. I really believe that they know what's right and wrong in life, and that gives me a lot of encouragement. I just wish that they would stop by during the holidays. I'm proud of them and all that they've accomplished in life. I just wish they'd call home every once in a while. All of those things are saying that what you want most from your children is a relationship and what God wants more from you than anything else is a relationship now here's the thing the other stuff isn't bad there's nothing wrong with the other things God may want them from us but they flow from the first thing the relationship so if you're in a relationship with God and you're spending time with God and you're getting closer to God and you're reading God's word, well, guess what? Your life's going to start being lived at a little bit higher level because the closer you are with God, the further sin's going to be from your life. And the more you're reading your Bible and getting close to God, you're going to start thinking and believing and knowing the right things because of that relationship that you have with him. And the more you believe God and know God and read his word and spend time with God, it's just you're going to start doing things for God that you've never done before. Those things are byproducts of the relationship that we have with God. And what God wants first and foremost is he wants us to have that relationship with him. We can see that's what Jesus had because the very first word of his very last sentence that he spoke was Father showing that relationship that he had with God. Probably a lot of you, most of you, if you didn't see the Academy Awards, which is probably nobody, you've seen the slap. Anybody here see the slap? 
Okay. Yeah, you know, the, the famous slap, you know, uh, Will Smith uh, slapping Chris Rock when he made a joke about his wife, uh, Jada. Got a picture of the slap heard around the world right there. Had a lot of ramifications. He's now been barred from 10 years from going to the Academy Awards, and he's resigned from the Academy. But what most people don't know is that right after this slap, just mere minutes later, two people, Tyler Perry and Denzel Washington, who are both strong Christians, went over, grabbed Will Smith, took him to the far side of the stage, and talked to him for about five minutes. And what they did was they gave him some advice, they tried to encourage him, and then the three of them joined hands and prayed on the end of the Oscar stage. To the extent that when just a few minutes later, when Will Smith won his Academy Award for Best Actor, he actually quoted something that Denzel Washington said to him during the acceptance speech. Denzel Washington told him, Satan will attack the strongest at your highest moments. And so uh, this was a time. So here's the question. Why would Will Smith leave his seat to go up on the end of the stage with these two men? First of all, he knew them. Second of all, he knew what kind of people they were, and he was willing to listen to them and to try to gain encouragement from them because he had a relationship with them. And as we think about Jesus on the cross and all that he has been through, and he starts with that word Father, it all goes back to relationship. Faith is centered around our relationship with God. And that brings us to the second thing that we see in our scripture passage. Jesus' last words on the cross show that he trusted God with his life and with his death. He trusted God with his life and with his death. So here's what happens. You're in a relationship with someone. Uh, and because of that relationship, you love them and you believe they love you and want your best. And if you believe they love you and they want your best, then you're going to trust them. Okay? I, I know them. I believe they love me and they want my best. Therefore, I trust them. And that's exactly what happens with Jesus and God on the cross. Go back to that last saying of Jesus. What's he say? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So he's saying, Father, because I have that relationship with you, I am trusting my life and now my death into your hands. And so all of that only comes from the relationship, and the relationship built a trust that he's now put his life and his death into his hands. Several years ago, Dawn and I had some friends over at a, at a different church that, that we were at, and they had a, a young preschool boy by the name of Mark. And Mark was running around, and we were wrestling and everything, and his mom kept saying, Mark, come here. And Mark totally ignored her, and he would only come to me. And I'm thinking, yeah, you know, of course, you know, who's he going to come to, you know? And uh, so he's running around, we're playing, she's calling him, he's ignoring her. And then he trips and kind of hits the side of his head on the fireplace, just gets a little scrape, nothing bad at all. But it, it scares him, he jumps up, he's crying. And I go, are you okay? And he runs right past me and goes straight to mama. Now, why does he do that? Because when he was really hurt, when it was really important, he ran to the person he knew that loved him and that he trusted. On the cross, because of his relationship, Jesus says, Father, I'm committing my death, I'm committing my spirit into your hands. I trust you. 
That's what he was saying. But that trust only comes from one reason. That trust only comes because of the relationship. A lot of problems that we have with God, even people that believe in God, is that we don't have the relationship. We believe things about God. We believe God exists. We believe in God, but we don't really know God. And so when problems and troubles come and life begins to get pressure and, and things begin to get really tough, we don't really know if we can trust him. Because all we've done is believe things about him. We don't really know him. But the closer you get to God, the more your relationship is strengthened with God, the more you're going to trust him. Now, it's interesting when Jesus says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He's actually quoting the Bible here. He's quoting from Psalm 31. And Psalm 31 is all about a guy that's having troubles that trusts God because of his relationship. God is his refuge. God is his strength. God is his hope. And he's trusting himself to God. I want to just read you the first five verses of Psalm 31, verse 5. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Keep me free from the trap that has been set for me. You are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, O Lord my faithful God. So this psalm, all about God being your refuge and your strength and your fortress, and because of that relationship and that belief, you can commit yourself to him. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing here on the cross. Because of his relationship with God, he trusts him, and he's giving both his life and his death to God. So let's think about those two things individually for a second. First of all, have you committed your life to God? The way that you live your life, is it committed to God whether you believe in him or not? That only comes from the relationship. So let me ask you some, quick, some questions here to think about some of these things. Do you really trust your life with God? And what I mean by that is, do you believe God wants your best and is therefore enough to be trusted when you look to him? Do you trust God's laws and commands? Because here's the problem. A lot of us think that the laws and the commands and the thing God tells us in the Bible are all, again, about trying to keep us in line. It's all about sin management. The laws and the commands of the Bible are not trying to keep you in line. The laws and the commands in the Bible are showing you the best and the highest way to live. And if you live that way, your life will be better. And if you don't live that way, your life will be worse. It's showing you how to live your life. And if you choose the lesser way, God's always going to try to pull you back because God wants better for you than you're even choosing for yourself. It's not to keep you in line. It's showing you how you should live your life. If you want to live it to the highest and the fullest, do you trust God's laws and commands enough to truly follow them? When you have problems and troubles, do you seek God's advice and direction? Do you run to him when you have problems? Are you really trusting your life to God? And what about the second one? Are you trusting your death to God? Here's something you may not have known before. It's a 100% chance that everybody in this room is going to die. 100% chance. Guess who's getting out of this world alive in this room? Look around. Pick one of them. None of us are getting out of this world alive. Now, we try to push it off as much as we can. Uh, you know, that's why I've gotten all slim and trim here, you know, uh, trying to push that back just a little bit or something, you know. But it, it's going to happen. 
So then the question becomes, okay, I've trusted God with my life. Am I trusting God with my death? Do you believe that there's eternal life? Do you believe that just as Jesus rose from the dead, that you too will rise from the dead? Do you believe that you are a part of God's family, forgiven of your sins, and nothing, absolutely nothing, even death, will separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus? Are you trusting God with death? If you do so, then you're going to grieve differently, and you're going to look at your own life and your own uh, death differently. It doesn't mean you don't get scared sometimes. It doesn't mean that you don't grieve. It means that it's a different way of looking at it because you trust and you believe in God. You trust Him with your life and with your death. A couple weeks ago, some strong storms came through the Washington, D.C. area, and a local newsman, uh, Doug Camera, uh, was doing the weather. Doug's a professional weatherman. He was on there doing the weather. Got a picture of Doug right here. In the middle of the weather forecast, he says, we actually have a confirmed sighting of a tornado that we were following right here. And he says, we're pulling up the radar right now. And the radar comes up. He says, you can see the tornado is actually turning. So if you live in the area of... And then he stopped. And he pulled out his cell phone. And live on TV, he totally ignored the viewers. And this is what the viewers heard. Kenton, is that you, buddy? Get your sister. Go to the basement right now. Go to the bedroom in the basement. Get under the bed. Don't come out for 15 minutes. I will call you in 15 minutes. Get your sister and go right now. And then he turned around and he said, as you can see, it's coming down through. <laughs> now, why did he do that? Because there was a tornado going right at his house and his son and his daughter were home alone. Now, here's the thing. Why would the son and daughter listen to this guy in the first place? Well, first they listened to him because he was their father. And they knew he loved them and they trusted him. Second, they listened to him because he was a professional weatherman and knew a little bit about what was going on. And so because of that, they went down into the basement. Why would Jesus say, Father, into your hands, I'm trusting you, I'm committing my spirit? Because he knew God, he trusted God, and he gave himself into God's hands. And that brings us to the last thing that we see in our scripture passage. Jesus' last words on the cross show that he was totally surrendering to God's will and plan. It shows that he was totally surrendering to God's will and plan. So his last words show us the relationship. It shows us the trust that came from that relationship. And so here is Jesus. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. Then he breathed his last and he died. He had given himself over to God and it all came from that relationship. That relationship changed the way he lived and it changed the way that he died. So the question for us today is, are you following God's will and direction in your life? What's that look like to really do that? First of all, I'd say there's kind of three things that are prerequisites to all of this getting going. And the first is, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That's the number one thing. If you haven't done that, everything else is, is moot. It doesn't matter. Is Jesus Christ in your life as your Lord and Savior? Have you begun that relationship with him? And if not, there needs to come to a point in your life when you say, I've tried it, it's not working, I can't do it on my own. God, I need you to forgive me, I need you to come in my life, I want to follow you. 
And it, that, that is just the number one prerequisite. A second thing, though, is that after you've done that, after you've accepted him, is that you need to let other people know that, and you need to follow him in baptism. Baptism is a new Christian's profession of faith where you're letting people know that you believe in God and that you want to follow him. And then finally, you need to become a part of a local church. This is God's family. God didn't intend for us to go through life alone. He intended us to go through it with his family, the church. So those three things, accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, following him in baptism, joining a local church, those things become essential. The problem is most of us, we're okay with that. We'll follow that fine. But then we get confused. Okay, now how am I supposed to live? So I've accepted him. I've entered into that relationship. I followed him in baptism, took his name as my name. I've become a part of his family. Now, how do I live my life? And unfortunately, what we do is we go back to what we talked about earlier. And we then live our life with sin management. God, help me not do anything bad today. And our whole life is not trying to do anything bad, being a good little boy and a good little girl, and our whole life is fighting our sins and sin management. And it becomes nothing but a little narcissistic thing that it's all about us and fighting our sin. When it's supposed to be about going into that relationship with God and making that relationship stronger. So you establish the relationship in the first three, and the rest of your life is building that relationship. Jesus was asked once, what's the most important thing in the entire Bible? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. It's the first and the greatest of all the commandments. And the second's just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus said the entire Bible, that whole big book that we have, with all that stuff in there, can be boiled down to love God and love people. If you love God and you're in a relationship with God and you love people and you're doing the best you can to love and care for people, you end up doing everything the Bible tells you. It suddenly doesn't get as complicated as we think. So how do we build a relationship with God? Let me just give you a few suggestions. First, to build a relationship with God is how you build any other relationship in your life. You spend time with them. How do you get to know people? You spend time with them. You get to know them. You, you, you live life with them. That's how it is with God. You spend time with God. You have quiet times with God. You seek God. You have prayer times. You share your life with him, the good and the bad. You seek his will and direction when you have problems and decisions and things that come upon you. So that's the first thing is you begin to live your life with God and share your life with him. The next thing is you need to read your Bible. The Bible is going to, God's going to speak with you through his word. He's going to direct you. You're going to learn more about him. He's going to tell you things that will challenge you and speak to where you are in your life. So spend time with God, read his Bible, and then live out what you see and hear. That's when it makes the difference. Now you start living what you see and hear and learn from God. It makes all the difference in the world. You begin to live and follow God's will and God's direction. Uh, this past week, somebody uh, in our church uh, asked me to look at some videos uh, from the International Mission Board about the Ukrainian Baptist Seminary. And they were really telling. They have been, since the beginning of the Russian invasion, a daily message from the Ukrainian Baptist Seminary. The seminary uh, was started about 30 years ago, was getting stronger, uh, doing a very good work, and then suddenly the Russian invasion came. And everything changed. And you can go to Vimeo, watch these videos. They're just, they're, they're really, 
they're sad, they're challenging, they're everything else. But the president of the seminary had this to say, none of us planned for this. When we sat down and made our yearly plans, we didn't say, hey, what about in the winter, what's planned for a Russian invasion? No, nobody put that as part of their plans for the seminary that year. But when it happened, they had to react. He said, none of us planned for this, none of us wanted it, and none of us want to do it. But it's where we are now. And what we believe is our seminary is in Lviv, which is right on the Polish border, for a reason. And that reason is to help people during this crisis. And so everything has begun to change at that seminary. And you'll watch some of the videos, and people will come out and they'll say things like, Hi, I was the dean of theology. Now I'm in charge of food services. 4,000 people a week are going through the seminary, refugees. Another guy will come out and say, I was a professor of New Testament. Now I'm in charge of housing. Another person would say, uh, uh, I, was a, I was a Greek professor, and now uh, my job is to try to get refugees across the border into Poland. And so the entire seminary, you can't, you know, if you can see the pictures, the seminary has been transformed into a refugee center. And the whole thing is, we trust God has had us here for a reason and for a purpose. And if this is what we're supposed to do now, that's what we're supposed to be doing. But it all came from a trust in God. We're here for a reason. We're going to fulfill that reason no matter what comes upon us. It comes from relationship and it comes from trust. Jesus' last words on the cross, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. It showed relationship, and it showed trust. And it changed his life, and it changed his death, and it can ours as well. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for your word. We just pray that we would look at our life and truly seek that relationship that Jesus had when he trusted his death into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we come to the invitation, and it's really no different than what we just said a few minutes ago. The first thing I would say is look at the most important thing, that relationship with God. Do you have that relationship? If you don't, I would encourage you to come down the aisle while we're singing and saying, I need Jesus in my life. I've tried it my way. It's not working. And I want to know more about what it means to have Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Come down and make that challenge to him if you're here and you've done that and you've never been baptized come say i want to be baptized i, I want to follow him i want people to know that i made that decision maybe you're here and you've been coming here for a long time and you need to come and say this is my church i want to join this church i want to be a part of this church and you come and you say i want to be a part of this church and maybe you've done all those things and so what you need to do is say lord help me to start centering on that relationship with you getting to know you. I'm going to start spending time with you. I'm going to start reading your word and let it challenge me. And you just make that commitment. You do that right where you're standing. Just help me, help me, Lord, to start spending time with you, getting to know you, you getting to know me better. But this is your time as we stand together and we sing. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.